Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Now let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you today that we can come together to worship you. We thank you we can come together around your word. We thank you for your word. We thank you for giving it to us, Father God, by divine revelation so that we might have the inspired truth before us. Lord, help us as we look into your word today to glean from it that which you would have us to glean. But we know that your word's intended to have an impact upon us. You said your word will not return to you void, and we pray that, Lord, indeed, today it would accomplish your will in our hearts and lives. Lord, use me, I pray, as your servant. Lord, I'm ever conscious of the fact that I need you to help me, I need you to give me wisdom, I need you to give me uh, that guidance to be able to present your word, and we pray that, Lord, you use me today to your glory. Lord, honour your name today in this place, and we'll be sure to give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. If you remember, those of you who were here last time, last time we continued our study in the character of God. And we said that the way by which God wants to be remembered is by his holiness, which is the attribute that most glorifies him. Psalm 111 and verse 9 says, Holiness is his name. Last time we turned to Isaiah chapter 6 and verses 1 through 8 for our study of the attribute of God's holiness. And we saw that Isaiah found himself in the throne room of God. And here he saw a vision of God and his holiness in verses 1 through 3. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled is full of his glory. And we noted last time the holiness of God is the totality of all of God's attributes. It's the chief attribute of God. It's the attribute that calls attention to his majesty. It shows us that God is a, so great above us, so much greater than anything we can conceive. It points to the eternal difference between God and man, he is holy, we are sinners. And today let's consider Isaiah's response to the vision of God in verses 4 through 8. In Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 4, Isaiah stands in the presence of God. And what we notice this, it says, And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. We're told that the place shook. That as Isaiah looks into the throne room and he sees this glorious scene and he hears the seraphim singing this glorious heavenly song, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The earth is full of his glory. As Isaiah looks in, what he experiences next is the place begins to shake and the place is filled with smoke. And I'm sure the whole scene was terrifying for him. Not only did the door shake, but also the posts of the door shook. It says, And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. 
These were firmly fixed. These are the doorposts. These are the things that don't move. I mean, doors swing, but doorposts are supposed to stay still. They're not supposed to move, but they shook at the voice of the one that spoke. The commentator said this is a manifestation of his tremendous, majestic holiness, much like the Shekinah glory cloud in the wilderness. As Isaiah looks into the throne room, as he finds himself in the throne room of God, he's experiencing what it is to be in the presence of a holy God and everything is shaking and moving and and things are just uh, overwhelming him in the presence of God. The entire temple begins to tremble. The idea of the shake there is like a volcanic eruption. The commentator said, here we see inanimate objects are moved in God's presence. But how rarely are we moved at the holiness of God. See, when Isaiah comes face to face with God and face to face with God's holiness, he's moved at the holiness of God. And as a result, first of this morning, we see Isaiah confesses his misery. Isaiah confesses his misery in verse 5. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. One preacher said this, Once we get a sense of God's majesty, we must then confess our misery. And Isaiah's reaction to everything's happening, to everything he's heard, to everything he's seeing, and everything he's experiencing here in the throne of God, his reaction when he came face to face with God's majesty and God's holiness is very instructive. He didn't say, you know, this is interesting. I'm going home to think it over and to consider the, the consequences, consider the ins and outs of what I've just experienced and what I've just seen. See, Isaiah knew the scriptures. Isaiah knew what would happen to someone who entered into the presence of a holy God. He knew verses like Exodus 33 and verse 20, which says, For there shall no man see me and live. And so as Isaiah is standing there in the presence of a holy God, listening to the seraph sing and experiencing the shaking of the temple and the smoke that's filling the temple and seeing the vision of the throne of God, Isaiah did something drastic. He pronounced upon himself an oracle of doom. He said in verse 5, Then said I, Woe is me. Instead of yawning, at what he'd seen, he started yelling, Woe is me. The commentator said it's telling that Isaiah doesn't point to someone else and say, Woe is he. But rather points to himself and he says, Woe is me. When he sees the holiness of God, when he experiences all that he experiences there in the throne of God, he confesses his own unholiness. And notice what he says is, Woe is me, for I am undone. The phrase, for I am undone, is one Hebrew word. And that Hebrew word means to be destroyed, to be ruined, to perish. What Isaiah is saying here when he says, 
Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone. What he's saying is I'm coming apart at the seams. I'm being torn asunder. Isaiah believes as the temple starts to shake that he's about to fall apart. He's about to be destroyed. He's about to die in the presence of God. He's entered into the very throne of God. He's seen the holiness of God and he feels like he's about to die. Not only is the temple going to shake, but he's going to shake to death. Isaiah is so devastated by the holiness of God that he starts to fall apart. It's the same reaction that John had when he encountered Jesus in heaven in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 17a. He said, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. When Simon Peter realized who Jesus was in in Luke 5.8, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me. I'm a sinful man, O Lord. When Job saw the power and majesty of God, he said in Job 42, 5 and 6, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but mine eye seeth thee, wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Harry Ironside explained it this way. He said, The effect of beholding God is to make one realize his own unworthiness and the corruption of his own heart. As I saw himself in the light of Jehovah's infinite holiness, it is ever thus when man is brought consciously into the presence of God. Isaiah, being conscious of his own, becomes conscious of his own vileness and his own unworthiness as he stands in the presence of God, so much so that he could not join with the seraph in their song. There's praise going in heaven, holy, holy, holy. But Isaiah, because he is confronted by his own vileness and his own sinfulness, cannot join in their song. All he could do was declare, woe is me, for I am undone. When we see the glory and the wholeness of God, it will change us. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. I said, when you and I see the glory and holiness of God, it will change us. And this verse explains it. It says, but we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. When you and I look into the Word of God, when you and I view the wholeness of the glory of God, God's Word says that you and I will be changed into the same image from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. You and I cannot get a vision of God without it changing us. The vision of the wholeness of God had a profound impact upon Isaiah, and it will have a profound impact upon us if we take the time to get a vision of of our God. Isaiah then tells us that he said what he said because he'd made two discoveries. He saw who God was, and secondly, he saw who he, Isaiah, was. He says in verse 5, he says, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and dwell in the midst of a people unclean lips, for one eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He saw God for who he was, and then he saw himself 
for who he was. Isaiah got a glimpse of the holiness of God. And the truth is it shattered him. It broke him. He stood before a holy God and he realized just how much of a sinner he was. And so in verse 5 he says, I am a man of unclean lips. That phrase, I'm a man of unclean lips, simply means Isaiah was saying, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. So much so that he was especially unworthy to join, as I said earlier, in the praise of God. And more importantly, he was not able to deliver the message of God in his name. He's a prophet. But as he stands before Almighty God, he could not praise God. He could not join in the praise. And he felt that he was unworthy to even serve God. Because he's a sinner. A man of unclean lips. As I began, beheld the glory and the holiness of God, his sinfulness stood out in stark contrast. You know, as long as Isaiah could compare himself with other people, if he could compare himself with the nations of Israel, he was able to sustain a lofty opinion of his character. At the time when King Uzziah died here in Israel, things were not good. In comparison, Isaiah was a very godly man in comparison to a lot of the people, a lot of his contemporaries in the nation of Israel. Here in the southern kingdom, even though they had a godly king in Uzziah, the people themselves were not that godly in places. And in comparison to the people of, of Judah, the, powers and the people of the southern kingdom, Isaiah was pretty good. But you know, the instant he measured himself by the ultimate standard, by the standard of God's holiness, he was morally and spiritually annihilated. He was shattered. He was broken before God. He realized how much of a sinner he was. He realized that God didn't grade on a curve. That God was the absolute standard. That he was the absolute standard of righteousness. He was the absolute standard of holiness. And that as he stood in the presence of God, he realized he fell so far short of God's glory. Compared to other people, he measured up reasonably well, but in contrast to God and God's perfect holiness, Isaiah was unclean. One commentator said the vision, the profound worship of the seraphim and their Tendant majesty and glory had deeply impressed him with a sense of the holiness of God and of his own unfitness either to join in worship so holy or to deliver the message of God so pure, uh, so, the message of so pure a God. You see, when Isaiah saw himself against God's absolute standard, not only did he say, I'm a man of unclean lips, but notice what he says, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Effectively he says, my ma I have a dirty mouth and my contemporaries are dirty too. We're all sinners. Another commentator said, no one can stand in the presence of God without becoming profoundly and devastatingly aware of his own wretched sinfulness 
Until we understand the holiness of God, we, don't, we won't understand our own depravity. So you and I cannot encounter a holy God and stand and say, I am without sin. When you and I stand in the presence of a holy God, you and I realize what we are, and that is sinners before a holy God. We've fallen short of the glory of God. We're wretched and undone. If it wasn't for Jesus Christ, none of us would be able to enter into his presence. Because God is holy. The prophet Habakkuk learned this the hard way. After approaching God rather boldly and demanding and answers some of his questions, Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 16 records what happens when God finally answers him. Look in Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 16. Habakkuk says this, When I heard, my belly trembled, my lips quivered at the voice, rottenness entered into my bones, and I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he cometh up unto the people, he will invade them with his troops. Habakkuk said, When I heard, my belly trembled, my lips quivered at the voice, rottenness entered into my bones. And I trembled in myself. I wonder when was the last time we trembled in the presence of God. The truth is, as Frank Hamrick observed, if we could see only a portion of what Isaiah saw, we would be changed forever. Isaiah then explains how he knew these facts. How did he know that he was all that he was? Well, he says in verse 5, he goes and says, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people unclean lips. How do I know this? For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He said, I know this, I know what I am, because mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When Isaiah saw the King, the Lord of hosts, enthroned in glory, He saw his sinfulness in comparison. When Isaiah's righteousness and righteous life lay against the righteous standard of a holy God, when God's holiness was the background by which he viewed his life, his life looked a lot different than what it looked like when it was viewed in the background of mankind. When Isaiah stood with the world behind him, Isaiah shone pretty bright. He was a servant of God. He was a prophet of God. He was a godly man. But when things turned around and Isaiah stood with God's holiness as the backdrop, Isaiah looked pretty miserable. He was a sinner before the holy God. That's how Isaiah knew what he did about himself he stopped comparing himself with the world and started comparing himself with a holy god and as he viewed a holy god he realized just how little he really was frank hamring again said i'm sure in the weeks months and years to come that people tried to discourage isaiah they say look isaiah it's good to have religion but you don't have to go overboard 
There are other things in life besides reading scripture, praying all the time, speaking about God all the time. You don't have to be a fanatic about this. You're turning people off. And Isaiah would reply, I can't help it. Mine eyes have seen the king. And once you and I get a glimpse of the king, when you and I have seen the king in his holiness, we'll never be the same. Another commentator said, a proper concept of holiness as a requirement for Christian living would end a lot of discussion about what is permitted and not permitted for the Christian. We should determine the propriety of things on the simple basis of, is it holy? You know, a lot of the debate, what's, what's right and what's wrong for believers to do, would cease if you and I would simply ask the question, is it holy? Is this what God would do? Is this what God would be pleased with? If you and I could look at something and see it, see it through the eyes of God, that will determine whether or not we should do it or not do it, and it would make things a lot easier. A lot of misconceptions would go away. We'd view everything in the light of God's holiness. It's worth noting that of all the attributes of God, all the attributes that God has revealed to us in his word, holiness is the first attribute that God commands of us. You know, God never commands you and I to be omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, or immutable. But God has commanded you and I in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, to be holy as he is holy. You and I are commanded to be what God is. Because that's how we honor him. Now look what happens next. After confessing his misery, Isaiah receives the Lord's mercy. Isaiah receives the Lord's mercy. Verses 6 and 7. Then flew one of the seraphims under me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongues from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. At the exact time that Isaiah recognizes his misery for a holy God, and he says, Woe is me, for I am undone. I'm coming apart of the seams. Mercy is set in motion. In Isaiah 6, 6, we read, Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongues from off the altar. Here comes one of the seraphim, bringing this live coal towards Isaiah. And in verse 7 we read, And he laid it upon my mouth, and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. That's a great verse. Isaiah is standing in the throne room of God. He's shattered in the presence of God to realize how much of a sinner he is. He believes he's about to die. And he cries out to God and reveals that he's a sinner. He says, woe is me, for I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in a people of unclean lips, Lord. And at that moment, God shows his mercy to his servant. He sends one of the seraphim with a live coal to Isaiah and puts it on his lips. God doesn't leave Isaiah devastated. He does something about it. 
And this hot coal was taken from off the altar where the sacrifice was offered. And by the sending of the seraph with the hot coal to put it on the lips of Isaiah, Isaiah is assured by this action that all sinful uncleanness was burned away from the prophet's mouth. God showed him mercy. One commentator said, Isaiah heard the praise of the seraphim and their thunderous song which shook the very foundation of the temple. But what, God, what, but what did God hear? He heard the faint, fearful cry of a miserable man. When God hears Isaiah, he sends a seraph with a message of mercy. As, Isaiah, as, sorry, as Psalm 51, 17 says, A broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. God shows mercy to his servant. Once Isaiah had met with the Lord, he'd been convicted of his sin and cleansed from his guilt, then he's ready to serve God. Up to this point, Isaiah had seen the glory of God. He had heard the song of the seraphim. He'd felt the burning coals upon his lips. But now for the first time, he hears the voice of God. And so in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8, he hears the Lord issue a call. He says, I also heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? God was looking for someone to send. He wanted someone to go for him. He wanted someone to go forth as his prophet. Now the king Uzziah had died to go forth as prophet to declare the message to a nation and to a world of a God in heaven who saves sinners like Isaiah. Guzik said this, how strange it is that the God, this God of majesty, sovereignty and power asks for volunteers. He could easily create robots to do his work or command angels to carry his will but God wants willing, surrendered servants. He looks for volunteers. You know, God is, was asking for a person because God wants to reach the world and he wants to reach the world through willing people. And the question to you and I today is this, are we willing? Isaiah was. And the reason why Isaiah was so willing was because he had a vision of his God. He'd seen his God in all his holiness and he realized he was nothing without God. And after experiencing the mercy of God with that coal of fire upon his lips that cleansed him, Isaiah now hears the voice of God with a willing heart. As I first saw a vision of the Lord's majesty and holiness, then he was overcome with the misery of his own sinfulness. He experienced the Lord's mercy. Now in verse 8, Isaiah accepts the Lord's mission. The Lord's mission. Notice what he says at the end of the verse, Then said I, Here am I, send me. Suddenly the angels are silent. And God speaks from the throne and he issues a call. Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? 
Isaiah then gives the only response that can be given when a man gets a vision of God's holiness. He says, here am I. Send me. Isaiah emphatically answers God's call. He did not hesitate. Isaiah wanted to be the answer to God's question. God said, who will go for us? Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah says, I want to be the answer. Here am I. Send me. After being sensitive to the voice of God, Isaiah surrenders to God's call. Somebody said the last thing he declared was a woe, and now he's ready to go. Now when Isaiah says, here am I, send me, he's making himself available as the ambassador of the almighty God. This God that he now has seen in all of his holiness, Isaiah, who was shattered by his presence, he saw his own misery. Then he experienced God's mercy, now accepts God's mission. And he demonstrates his unconditional surrender as a servant. It's interesting, he didn't say, here am I, I will go. Isaiah said, here am I, send me, for Isaiah would not go unless he knew he was sent by the Lord. Isaiah was not going to do anything that God did not want him to do. After standing in the presence of a holy God, the last thing Isaiah wanted to do was to sin again. The last thing Isaiah wanted to do was to disobey God. The last thing Isaiah wanted to do was to leave the presence of God out of the will of God. So he says, here my Lord, send me. You know, God is still looking for volunteers who have been moved by his holiness and by his majesty, believers who are ready to serve the Lord. If we would get a vision of the holiness of God, We'll find our response. We like Isaiah's. We'll say, Here am I, Lord. Send me. Isaiah had a heart that had been in the presence of God. A heart that knew his own sinfulness. A heart that knew the need among the people. The need for God's word. A heart that had been touched by God's cleansing fire. A heart that heard God's call to reach the nations. Isaiah's example of recognizing his sinfulness before God encourages you and I to confess our sin. His picture of forgiveness and cleansing reminds us that we too are forgiven. You and I who know Jesus Christ as our Savior have been cleansed. We've experienced the mercy of God. We've experienced the grace of God. We've experienced the forgiveness of God. And when we truly see the greatness and goodness of of our holy God will recognize our sinfulness and seek his cleansing then we'll receive the power to do his work one commentator said he waits upon his people to whom he has revealed himself and cleansed to respond here am I send me if you and I will get a vision of our holy God the only response that you and I will be able to give is here, my Lord, send me.
Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you this morning for your word. And Lord, what a powerful passage this is in the book of Isaiah. As the prophet, Father God, stands in your presence, acknowledges his misery before you, that he's a sinner undone, and experiences your mercy as you cleanse him from his sin. And then he accepts your mission as a prophet, preaches salvation through his God to a nation and to a world. Lord, help us to acknowledge our misery as we stand before you that we are sinners saved by grace. Help us to remember the mercy that we've experienced at your hands through faith in Jesus Christ. Help us, Father God, to accept our mission as ambassadors of Christ. To go, therefore, into all the world and preach the gospel. May we say, Hear my Lord, send me. Challenge us, Father God, by your word and bless us this day as we go forth, particularly as we go to the leaflet drop. Use us your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.